unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk, Wichita's big talker. KQAM 1480 on the AM dial plus 99.7 HD4 on the FM if you do have that smart radio. Our friends out in Garden City, Kansas. What's up? Welcome aboard. Great to have you with us as well on KIUL. Good morning, man. Can you believe that we are less than a week away to Thanksgiving? We have officially made it to holiday mode. Now that we're looking at Christmas gifts, we're looking at getting all festive, doing the decorations, baking the turkey, which, by the way, we have, if I have my calculations correct, we have a turkey drop we need to do today and then one on monday on kqam and that's it that's it all done if you haven't gotten your thanksgiving turkey yet you still have your opportunity to do so so hint hint wink wink that may be happening here relatively soon on kansas talk welcome into it 316-721-8255 316-721 talk on the maxwell outdoor equipment hotlines we have a big show lined up for you today gonna be a fun one to kick off your saturday as a programming note i will not be here next week because it is thanksgiving weekend so we will have a best of for next week. Back at it again thereafter. And we are in full board of focusing on legislative session of 2024 because it's going to be a major, a huge, a bigly legislative session, if you want to put it that way. And I think we're going to make it bigly. Yeah, so we're getting prepared for that. We'll have a lot of state reps coming in, uh, state elected officials from the House and the Senate side coming in over the next few weeks to talk about what the priorities will be, what agenda that we will have, and how we're going to focus on this next session because there is a lot that we need to get done, which is the question that I have for you this morning of what is your priority? What would you like to see done at our statewide governmental level in this next session of 2024? Uh, What priority is it for you for them to focus on going into this year? Now, I want to remind you that we still have a Democrat governor. There are some things that we did not get done in the legislative session last session that we would like to try again. And some might change their vote or might have a little bit different perspective on some of the issues in our legislature because it's an election season and want to make sure that they're pandering to the right crowd, Republican or Democrat, uh, based on the election season coming up. And they really go into it with the mindset that we all have a very short-term memory in politics and will forget their votes from a year ago, two years ago, but that the session this year was what's going to set the tone for what they stand for in this upcoming election year. So whether that's true or not, I want to hear from you what that agenda actually is. Got to get a, a shout out, though. Yesterday, there was a cool event that was in town. I went to it because wanted to cover it for the radio station, wanted to support these guys. Always love them. Big fan of Americans for Prosperity. As they've been doing their big Prosperity is Possible tour across the state of Kansas, which you can find at prosperityispossible.com. Uh, for theirs, prosperityispossible.com. And see what they're doing. But they've been doing a tour all over the state of Kansas, bringing in uh, Speaker of the House Dan Hawkins and State Senate President Ty Masterson and some of the other big leaders in the legislature around the state to talk about the financial situation of the state and of the nation and what we're going to do in this next session. And I loved it because we talk a lot about on this program trying to reach out to new demographics and new crowds 
for the Republican Party, for the conservative movement, not necessarily for the Republican Party itself, but for the conservative movement and bringing awareness to some of the disasters that we're dealing with right now. Like, oh, I don't know, Bidenomics, which the Democrats have now even pitched their marketing scheme of Bidenomics because it hasn't stuck after a year of trying to promote it. And no one buys it because they realize how bad the economy actually is right now. Overall economic increase of inflation up near 20 percent. Food itself up near 30 percent almost across the country as an average. Kind of devastating, right? So I got to give a major hat tip to Americans for Prosperity, not just nationwide, but our statewide chapter here, because these guys are rocking it. They've had their Prosperity as Possible tour around the state. I've been watching their social media. They've been touring. I think they were in Garden City in western Kansas just a few days ago uh, and had all the great speakers out there with Dan Hawkins and Ty Masterson and everybody else. Uh, But uh, yesterday they were in town, and we uh, mentioned it a couple of times on the show here. But yesterday they were at Barney's Pharmacy downtown, which got to meet the owner. Great individual uh, listener to the show, and thank you for that. We we love you. Very cool place. Uh, for the first time, I got to go in and check that out. Barney's Pharmacy at Weston Central, and it got to go talk to them. But they had an event there where they were giving away, for the first 100 people that showed up, $60 gift cards. And uh, they were for the for the actual venue, for Barney's. And they were doing it because, on average, groceries have been up near $60 per week as an average for a family household because of inflation. So they wanted to get back, but they did it in a community that you would think uh, predominantly demographically would not be the most conservative Republican voters that are predominantly Democrat voters in that region. And I loved it. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think it's exactly what's needed right now is going into certain uh, communities or demographical areas that aren't the most conservative places and trying to bring the awareness to what's going on, along with helping out, because obviously, you know, $60 for food right now, especially going into Thanksgiving, kind of a neat deal there. So that's just a, just a cool deal. But I talk about it because the Republicans for the longest time as a party, the Republican Party itself has had a very difficult time reaching into new demographics, reaching into new areas and trying to appeal to new voters, because obviously we just sometimes write off certain crowds, certain demographics, certain areas, because, well, the Democrats have a stronghold in there. We're not going to waste any time or money or attention into trying to win them over because it's not going to work, and we need to focus on some of the swing areas where we're losing ground. And to me, that's I get it, but at the same time, that's almost a defense mechanism, and when you're always on the defense, you're never on the offense to be able to expand. And something like that, which is so small, yet so important, brings awareness to different crowds that realize what's going on or maybe connect the dots. And while I was there helping out with AFP, I was hearing people that literally said, yeah, groceries are astronomically high. Oh, my gosh, this is going to help out so much. Oh, yes, as they were handing out flyers talking about Bidenomics. Oh, yeah, Bidenomics is an absolute disaster. I can't believe how expensive things are under Joe Biden. And it's just that light bulb that clicks on talking about how important this issue is. So I appreciate Americans for Prosperity very much. Got to give the shout out quick to Barney's Pharmacy for partnering with them and allowing that to happen because it is so important to bring that awareness to different demographics and different areas and different parts of cities that normally don't hear this message. And there were a couple people that were like, no, thanks. I don't want your free money. I'm going to go do my grocery shopping because I don't support your movement. And that's cool. Whatever. I mean, if that's what you want to do. But that was very few and far between. People saw it. And the light bulb started to click of, oh, yeah, yeah, the administration, the way that Democrats are running things aren't necessarily the best course of action. Maybe we should do something different 
Thank you for bringing just a little bit of relief to my daily life and bringing a bright spot in my life and bringing that awareness to me. And I think that's what's needed, and I hope they continue it on. I know they're going to continue it on, and I hope the Republican Party itself catches on and partners with these types of movements to try and reach out to different communities, different demographics, and trying to win over more people. We have to expand We can't play defense mode all the time, and that's what Republicans seem to do all the time, both with the outreach to voters and with policy. If you remember, we're not very good at compromising. We're not very good at negotiation. We're not very good at finding the middle ground that we always play defense. We're always scared when Democrats claim that we're the ones going to shut down the government. We're always scared that we're the ones that are going to get in trouble when we stall the government because we want to do things right. The Democrats are the bullies that always get their way. We always cower. We hide from our shadow. And we're the ones that always play defense. That wasn't us. We're not the bad guys. Instead of taking charge of the conversation and moving forward. So had to give a quick shout out there. But that leads into what we're going to focus on for this legislative session. Obviously, our elected officials and the leaders of our elected officials, our House Speaker, our State Senate President, uh, Ty Masterson, Dan Hawkins, all the other great leaders in our legislature right now. They're one of their main focal points is trying to do the tax cuts they wanted to do last year is trying to make sure that we do not expand Medicaid, as Governor Kelly's been doing her statewide tour, again, trying to do a massive statewide uh, movement and awareness to expand Medicaid when it's not going to happen. And I don't know why we continue. She at some point just needs to acknowledge it's not going to work here in Kansas. Our legislature won't allow it to happen. It's not going to save rural hospitals. It's not going to bring more money into the state. We're going to go bankrupt by expanding that program, even with the surplus that we have right now, that we should just be allowing ourselves to lower taxes, invest into the community, and give that the time to increase tax revenue based on the expansion that we can do by giving the money back into the private sector. What a wild concept, right? So uh, that's one of the big top priorities that we have in the state. What are yours? 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Let's go to the phones here as the phones are lighting up. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm just fine. Oh, you went to Barney's there. Yeah, I was right around Sheridan and West Central. Did you realize that you were right in the middle of where I grew up and spent about 21 years. So thank you, thank you very much. A lot of good people live there. Absolutely. We're not not the filthiest, not really really the richest people in the world, but I tell you what, uh, very, very patriotic. Love this country. Wonderful individuals. do anything for it. I love it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, you need to start displaying your Kansas Association of Broadcasters awards because I know you have some. <laughs> you know, uh, come on now, uh, Les Nisman. I mean, he displayed his, so you got to display yours. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't usually like to showboat like that, though. I mean, I do have them, and they are hanging up on the wall. They're not necessarily in camera view for the live streams all the time, but I have them, and I, I, I cherish them. I appreciate all the awards that we've won with the show, and we continue to win some every every year. So I, I appreciate those very much, but I don't. I just I, I don't showboat them. I know, but you need to be proud of them. Oh, by the way, what I want uh, Kansas to do, first of all, I want to just to get away from this crazy idea of going electric everything, mm. okay? Now, electric cars, okay, that's a bummer because what are you going to – because I've been reading reports of those, and I've been re- repeating – I mean, reading a lot of reports, and, like, they'll get 110 miles, and then what are you going to do? We're just stuck. Yeah. Okay. 
And another thing is, I hope the hell they get away from um, this idea. Oh, appliances, you know, this. Well, come on, you can't have a natural gas stove. That's hurting the environment. You need to have an electric one. I'm going to have a gas stove, and I don't give it. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. And another thing that I want going on there is to clean up our cities because our cities are disastrously looking. Mm. And I know that Wichita is the biggest city here in Wichita, and I'm hoping that Lily Wu will help clean up Wichita because if you go downtown, all you see are tents, et cetera, like that. Yeah. And another thing that people don't realize is that the Riverside area has been hit very hard with these homeless people, and they prowl around at night stealing things. Yeah. Now, what I'm going to tell you is God of God's truth. My daughter and her husband, they have a beautiful home in Riverside. It's backed up to the big Arkansas River. They came out one day and discovered a homeless tent in their backyard. Oh, my. Yes, yes. Wow. And, and the husband went out there and said, get out of here. And he said, well, this is a federal property now, and I can put my tent here. And he said, either remove the tent or else I'm going to throw it in the river. But all they did was they just moved up and down the big Arkansas River right behind people's homes. And, you know, we can't have that. So clean up the city. Get away from all of this electric stuff, and I will be a happy camper. Maybe we should call in Gavin Newsom. He'll clean up the streets like he did in San Francisco for the Chinese president. What do you think? We'll just call him in. He'll he'll do the he'll do the cleaning up for us. Well, let's get some Chinaman in here and say. There we go. But, By the way, uh, did you did you, you spend you talked about the alternative energies? Did you hear our interview last week with uh, State Senator Mike Thompson? Um, because he's he's been focusing on that alternative energy issue quite a bit in the state, and I uh, hopefully he can really drive that home and uh, really really fight off some of that initiative. So uh, I was uh, it was really great conversation that we had with him last week on the show. Um, I I did hear the show last week, but I'm old as hell, so I can't remember everything. <laughs> but uh, if you but, get a but, if you get a but, chance, go on the go on the podcast and try and listen to that one because that was a great chat that we had, and we'll probably play part of that as a. Uh, Maybe our best stuff for for, uh, for next week. So, Frederick, i got to run, my friend, but I appreciate it very much, and happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. You have the most beautiful Thanksgiving with your wife and and um, your little girl. Oh, by the way, your wife was in radio, too, wasn't she? She was. She was in radio as well. Was she the wolf lady? Uh, yes, she was a wolf girl at 92.5 The Wolf in Denver, Colorado, a country station, and uh, she did the promotions there. She was on their morning show for the longest time. So, yeah, she's uh, that's where after we broke up in high school, we ran into each other again at the broadcasting school when we were both getting into radio at the same time. Oh, I was reading up about her, and by golly, you are you got one heck of a family there. I'm telling so you. you take care and have the most beautiful day. You as well, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Great to chat with you. Got some other calls on the line. Hang tight. We'll get to you as soon as we come back from the break. Don't go anywhere. we got a lot to talk about today. It's going to be a fun one. The pre-Thanksgiving program here on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, and Garden City. We got you covered Garden City as well today. Don't worry. Lots more coming up. Stay right here.
25 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Always appreciate you listening, which it sounds like you do quite a bit. So we love you to death and appreciate you very, very much. By the way, little teaser for you. Coming up on the Voice Reason syndicated program this weekend, which airs both on KIUL and KQAM on Sundays from 5 to 7 in the afternoon. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, she'll be joining me this weekend. So don't miss that. Going to be awesome. Going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. Let's go back to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Maybe. Going once, going twice. Sorry, give us a call back. 316-721-8255, which I think it's time for you to call me anyways because I don't know. There's something like a, a turkey going on. <laughs> So give us a call here right now, 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, and we will give you an opportunity to win your Thanksgiving turkey bird hat tip to Yoder Meats over on West Street, where you can go and pick that up if you end up winning this one, as you have an opportunity to have some fun and possibly win yourself Thanksgiving bird. Let's go to it. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, fight the power, Andy. Mr. Sean, lucky number caller. How are you, sir? Hey, uh, you gonna uh, you gonna frank up your turkey? Mm, well, I tell you what, I I have I told I told the wife that I am covering Thanksgiving dinner this year, and I asked her how many minutes per pound that I need to put the turkey into the microwave. Microwave. Just <laughs> <laughs> supposed to throw it in the oven. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! I guess I guess I can do that too. All right. Well, you're my caller number one, so you want to win yourself a Thanksgiving turkey? I suppose. You suppose? All right. All right. Well, here's here's how the game's played. So I list off uh, a couple of our great partners with this, and you decide which one the turkey's going to fall on. It's already sitting up in the helicopter ready to be dropped on a certain location. You have to decide which one it's going to be, and if you hit the right one, then you're going to win. Well, I didn't turn on your show when it started. Uh, what's the location? Well, I, you have to guess which one here. So I'm going to give you three options, and you have to guess which one it's going to be. Okay. All right. So here's your options. You have Ray Roofing, Jacob Liquor, or Stanley Steamer. Which one do you, my friend, believe that it's going to drop on today? Uh, let me see. Um, oh, liquor. Oh, man. Uh, I had so much of it yesterday. I don't even want to think about it. Uh, right. uh, let's see. Now, just, just to be fair Ray as well, Ruf- which one? What, what was you going to say? I was going to say, just to be fair, these are already predetermined for me. So, you know, I'd, if you win or lose, that's that's not up to me. That's up to the predetermination of what was told for me for the day. So, Yeah, I understand. Okay. I understand that. All right. So, uh, Ray's roofing would be too obvious because it's a roof. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, Stanley Steamer. Stanley Steamer. All right. Here we go. Let's give it a shot. It's up in the helicopter today. Flying high above the great city of Wichita. We're going to see whether this one drops on it or not. I hear it coming down. Where is it going to be at? Oh, no. Oh. Didn't quite make that one. But good try, Sean. You were close. You were close. Oh, well, that's okay. That's all right. All right. Well, we'll have to I'll try it. Find- yeah. I-, I-, I hope I'll find out. Well, that's right. You will find out because we will give it away at some point throughout the show today. So you will find out one way or the other. So stay tuned in and uh, give it a try a little bit later as well. You got about a minute, though, Sean, to tell us what's on your mind this morning. 
speaking of homeless people, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, that your last call brought up, man, dude, this is getting, this is just, it's getting to be too much. And I can't go anywhere without running into somebody that's homeless. Yeah. It is. A lot of half the time, you know, asking for money. Sometimes I don't mind helping out. Yeah. You know, but sometimes I do and it gets irritating because one, I'm not rich and two, I'm not, I'm not here to support a homeless homeless people i get it i get it sean i we got to take a break here i get it and hopefully that you know it's a it's a major problem all over the nation not just wichita here but i'm hoping that between our state legislature's awareness and our new city council and our new mayor that we may be able to start solving this issue and at least uh, picking it up because we may be a quote-unquote bigger city but we still have that small town feel and we can clean this up i think a lot easier than other cities although Again, we just need to call in Gavin Newsom and have him take care of it and say that a Chinese leader's coming and he'll just take care of the issue ourselves, right? <laughs> Lots more coming up. Stay right here. Now back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here at Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride with us. Also, our friends out in Garden City on KIUL as well. So we're covering the entire southern half of the state. We always love having you guys with us. Really happy to have as we get uh, shift gears from election season into now legislative session of 2024. we got to start talking about some of those priorities. And we were talking off the air a little bit. I Every time I talk about this issue, I get scared, I get paranoid, and I, I always freak out about how we're going to drink our next glass of water or eat our next meal because, good golly, I don't know how you guys do it. But it's time to talk about some agricultural issues. Farming, we have harvest done for this year. Uh, some of the winter plantings ongoing. We have extreme droughts that are going on throughout the Mid-America region. What are we doing to try and work on these issues and be aware of them moving forward? Happy to have in studio with us. And it's been a while since we've had him in here from District Number 101. It's State Representative Joe Seiwert. Joe, good to see you, my friend. Hi, Andy. Hey, thanks, buddy. It's always good to be here, you know, and yeah. I'm kind of an introvert, so I'm not good at talking, so I'll try to do my best I can today. No, you do great. It's it's always good to chat with you, and it's, it's I love it because you are a farmer out in Pretty Prairie, so you actually are hands-on with the agricultural side of this stuff, and, and again, I've, I've always said this, I always have the highest respect for farmers because I don't know how you can create a business where every aspect of your business is out of your control. From commodity prices to prices of the grain to fuel prices to equipment prices to the uh, drought and the weather conditions, like you have zero control and you just hope to make a profit at the end of the year. I, I couldn't live like that. I couldn't do it. It's okay because that's natural. The only problem <laughs> we don't have is government intervention. Mm. We know where it's at. It's always been involved in agriculture since I started, even back in the day when my dad started, my grandpa started, you know, the government intervention. They always said they would rather farm without the government and then they're on their own yeah so that yeah it's a good quote you know it's, it's food raising food we raised all our food when i was a kid you know sure uh it does scare me i, I share the same concerns that you do of food it gives me goosebumps look at that now, i don't know <laughs> if it's the air conditioner yeah, right? or it's a talk we're talking today but it is it is because um we had I had several businesses beside farming and and working you know for two little companies one was AT and T I don't know if you ever heard of them oh sure yeah and, yeah. and John Deere that's you know, right yes that's yeah. right See? you know so I kind of knew a little bit of the corporate structure too in farming but we were also several sideline businesses on farming to help pay for farming and one of them was chemical applicators you know my daughter ran a chemical business for us you know and we put chemicals on 
okay. products. And so she and another lady that helped us were very good at what they did. Sure. Uh, they had chemical licenses. And we're putting on tons of chemicals. And, and you know, talk about food products. Again, it really scares me yeah. because we're dumping on hundreds of gallons of chemicals. Now, we talk mm. about Camp Lejeune. We talk about Vietnam. My roommate in college, uh, he took off to go to the Army, sure. you know, in the 70s. And uh, him and I are still friends. Um, but he's had Agent Orange and Agent Blue from chemicals. Mm, yeah. So me as a farmer, I'm concerned about our chemicals that we put on what we eat. Yeah. And uh, it's an interesting deal. You know, being on the Ag Committee, we've had several issues with that, too. And, and you know, the microbreweries, one of them was, you know, that people want chemical-free stuff. I got yeah. it. Yeah. I do, too. Sure. You know. And uh, one of the issues we had was um, uh, some guy was growing it for them. And they tested it. Well, we had spray drift. Mm. And we we dealt with that all the time as applicators, you know. And, and never, we didn't do any aerial applications, but we did ground applications. Sure. And, and you had to watch the weather, the wind, and all that. It was all part of it. Well, when he tested all this barley that he bought from this guy to be in this microbrewery in Kansas City, it tested positive for chemicals. Well, there was a big lawsuit on it. So how did it get there? Right. You know, a drift. So... Wow. It's, you know, it's in their food. It's in apples, fruit trees. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Uh, what type of regulations do we have on, say, pesticides or some type of chemicals that you spray? Because you're right. I mean, there's there's now that push that a lot of people try to go organic or try to go, you know, natural, which is difficult to get sometimes because people try to preserve and, and spray so much chemicals on there right now. Well, the thing I've seen, you know, in part of my district, we have um, Amish farmers. You know, they have a lot mm. of garden farms. You know, we have a lot of... Uh, farmers market in uh, Hutchinson and smaller towns. Okay. And of course, we dealt with that in agriculture. And what's, you know, if you come and buy it and you don't like the looks of it, don't buy it. You right. Know? And the same way as buying whole milk from, you know, for years, we raised foster kids and both my wife and I worked in town too. Sure. And so when we'd come home, we'd stop by the Salmish Dairy and we'd get our milk and cheese and they had the best candy. <laughs> yeah, I can tell imagine. You. Yes. <laughs> you oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And so I take it back for some of the gals at work, you know. Yep. But anyway, uh, I'd rather buy that milk straight from that dairy than it went from the cow to the jug. Absolutely. And now we were dealing with that, you know, on re- uh, things with regulations on milk and and again, the point was, if it looks like something, smells like something, don't go there. Right. You got a choice. But just because you're buying it from some vendor doesn't necessarily mean, it, you know, I was in every business in town because I worked business systems, you know, for that little company. Sure. And so I was in all the manufacturing, food plants and everything like that. And, you know, I, I worry about everything we get, you know, like paper plates. You know, they're all manufactured yeah. And all that manufacturing has chemicals on it to make it slide off when they make it. Sure. Is that cleaned off that plate or does it just go into the pile when it stacks it? Mm. So chemicals on farm ground. You know, again, a mistake we could have made just in programming, yeah. we could get down to ounces an acre. Sure. You know, that's how accurate it is now compared to, well, if it's put 10 ounces on, if we put 20, it ought to work. You yeah, know? Right. But that was one of the things we noticed with Roundup. I don't want to make any agriculture chemical companies mad. But when we started out in the middle 90s, we was on the start of the market of no-till farming. Sure. And um, we did a lot of chemicals and start learning about it. So you could use Roundup to spray on crop ground, and you use 16 ounces and smoke it. Sure. And now we're at the rate of 60 to 70 ounces to do the same job. Wow. Did the weeds get more? Tolerant. 
tolerant. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that. they adapt and they kind of it's it's it, we've kind of created that. It, it's almost like the medical industry. We've created the superbugs in the world too by constantly getting flu shots, always mm-hmm. getting these vaccines, always trying to cleanse ourselves and use hand sanitizer. We've created the superbugs because they've learned to adapt. It sounds like we're essentially doing the same thing on the agricultural side too. Well, that was interesting, and we talked about that. And again, you know, like I said, sixteen ounces, man, it smoked it dead. Wow, two four D. You know, Agent Orange, the same thing. Um, broad, you know, um, Paraquat. That's sure. what they use in Vietnam. Okay, we still use it today, but it's regulated. But again, then he comes back, and so you know, being a farmer and doing that as a licensed business, not just because it was cool, right? You know. One of the things we tried to do in the agriculture industry was not talk to farmers, you know, marketing companies, you know, got a degree in marketing too, so I kind of learned how to sell stuff. Right. right. (laughs) But uh, you're taught how to sell. You know, if I come to you and say, Andy, you need to sell this chemical. Right. You know, don't, you know, it's not your job to worry about. It's his job to worry about. So we go looking at that. So we created the, what do you call it? My tolerance, the crop. The weeds are very tolerant. That's how they survive. Right. You know, look at, you know, you can grow weed in a crack on a highway. Yep. And you try to plant a nice piece of grapes in your backyard and you hardly get it to grow. Exactly. But that, what makes it do that? And so we thought there's four major chemicals in no-till farming. I can't remember them. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to say it wrong. But there's four major chemicals. And all the crops that you grow are ground up ready, resistant, or paraquat ready. Or, you know, there's, I don't want to say it wrong, so I'm not going to say it. But sure. I know it. There's four chemicals. So we talked different People and I talked to a lot of the farmers that I know. Let's let's rotate this. Especially came out with the corn, uh, cotton. Okay. Because cotton was terrible for getting killed with spray two mm. to three miles away from where you sprayed. Oh from my. Dri- Oh yeah. And cotton's relatively new in Kansas yeah. as a big right. commodity, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, it's probably only the last 15, 20 years. Maybe it's starting a little bit, but you know it's pretty big now. Sure. You know, and uh, so that was one of the things. And so when you go down to FSA or Farm Service Agency to register your crop, we tried to get that and the board in the front door in that county, that if you were planting cotton, you go in there and market. So custom applicators, aerial, ground rigs, co-ops, farmer services, they could go in there and look and say, okay, this section here has cotton, so we need it. But there was a big fight with some of them that they said, well, you, if you're the applicator, you need to drive around and see where the cotton is. You can't see, and you know, I can't see on the other side of these trees here. Right. So you spray, but that drift will go through. Oh. So we thought how we could do that and a roundtable discussion, which everybody wants to do these roundtable discussions with the governor now. You know, I don't know if you noticed that. Or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So at the roundtable, we sat with other companies and other co-ops and said, how can we do this? So we said, oh, let's rotate it every four years. Mm. Use one A chemical one year and then not for five. Sure. B chemical, C chemical, D chemical. And then you rotate them. All the seed companies have Roundup ready, Paraquat ready, you know, whatever ready they are. Yeah. Now, they would not be able to sell that product for two or three years, but they're still going to sell the other product because they have all those four different varieties. Interesting. So if you did that every day this year, 2024 is going to be Roundup ready. Right. I shouldn't say Roundup because now it's going to sound like I'm advertising Roundup, but I don't say Roundup because if they say you see it three times. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's what people can relate to. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So... Then you quit spraying it. So the weed, he gets, huh, I got this Roundup, man, I'm, well, they're fighting it. Pigweeds are the worst, mm. absolutely the worst. They can adapt so quick to chemicals. Goosebumps. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So then next year you went to Paraquat, Roundup, 
two four D or you know something else. Right. And then you come back in four years, they're going to get all mixed up like we are kind of sometimes. Sure. You know, and and we thought we could make it where the chemicals would take less and be more more effective, more effective or potent. Interesting. Is it has it worked so no, far? Nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to do it. Not. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the the people that wanted to do it. Unless you make it, everybody do it. it goes back to that barley deal for that microbrewery. Sure. Yeah, if it would have been all Roundup ready that year, and maybe that would have been it, it would have happened. Right. You know, same way. Everybody's got to do it, or it doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's that government intervention. You know, if everybody could do whatever we wanted to, you know, it'd be. I don't yeah. know if it'd be simpler or not. You know. Wow. And it's that wild. was the thing. Nobody wanted government telling you how to do it. But I'd rather rotate it and yeah. then lose a whole crop. Sure. Because my neighbor over here sprayed, and the other issues, the wind turbines, they'll create a drift for 25 miles. So mm-hmm. now it's hard to get applicators to put it on in those areas. So what are we going to do? Everything has a reaction. Everything has a reaction. And I don't think we look that far down the road many times. And especially the government, they're very short-sighted on many aspects, and they don't look at the long-term consequences on issues. Yeah, And then, of course, there's the money aspect of it, too, as well. If we're going to lose money, then we, we might not want to. Do that. That's wild, though. You would think that, again, with these issues and how fragile the ecosystem is for agriculture, for water and for food, that you would want to do everything you can to do the real solution to try and fix issues. Exactly. And we don't seem to want to do that, which is which is wild to me. Uh, we got a few minutes left here, but I want to shift gears and talk about water for a second as okay. well. I know that the federal level, they're working on trying to repeal the waters of the U.S. rule, which is really good. I know that's been devastating for a lot of farmers. A lot of farmers have talked out against that one. If that happens, that will be a bit of a sigh of relief, but we're still going through a drought. We have water tables down. I've seen the headlines of Cheney Reservoir with the water levels going down dramatically there. Ogallala Aquifer is supposed to be out of water in like 10 years or something, which is a scary, paranoid thought. What do we do about this? How do we fix this issue, Joe? Well, previous governor tried to handle some of that in 2012, put a moratorium on new wells, Conservation, you know, we do everything we're supposed to learn conservation and come out with better systems. Yeah. It's kind of an oxymoron that I worked in a mailroom for this little company you know, I was telling you about. Yeah. And one of my buddies, you know, I was going to the University of Nebraska and, and he was working there too. So he went to work for an internship after he got out of college for Valmont Industries. Okay. They're the inventor of the circle irrigation in the 1970s. Well, that was a huge change to irrigation. You know, you didn't have to move all the pipes. So we irrigate. And it, it's a good idea. It gives you crops in the bad years and stuff like that. But then we come along, and 45 years ago, we created the Department of Water Resources to manage the water. Right. Um, I'm a farmer, and I've tried to get my permits and park them and not use them. But we have a stupid little rule called use it or lose it. Did you ever hear that rule? <laughs> oh, yes. That's the most, you know, previous governor tried to get rid of it. Boy, they tried to crucify him. Well, why? Why? And it, we're supposed to be saving. So now we do conservation work. And on the, on those circles, they had the impulse sprinklers like you see on golf courses. They're a different sprinkler, but they're same, but they're not. Right. You know, yeah. they shoot it up there 50 feet in the air and kind of evaporation. So the actual water hitting the ground could be 20, 40, 50% less, depending on 100. <laughs> right. So we do conservation. Now you see the drop sprinklers. Right. So we're conserving. But what the Department of Water Resources, the people that issued, it's not the farmer. The farmer's trying to do a good job. Right. You know, I'm not blaming any farmers because They're he could not. Survive. Yes. No, no. He could not irrigate without one little thing, the permit. Mm. Who gives him the permit? The Department of Water. Sure. And who monitors that? That's what we hired them for. Right. So we hired them to go make sure we wouldn't run out of water. But nobody has any idea. You know how many irrigation circles there are or irrigation wells that are permitted here? 
I, I do have the facts. It's I'm not my up, so just that's right. In case right. you have any idea, I can only imagine just a good few thousand. Well, that was what a lot of people think. But when you look at the numbers, this the information I got from the Department of Water is 2017. Okay. Now in 2012, they tried to put a moratorium on it, mm. but oh, that didn't work good. You yeah. know, and and again, it's a permit. If I can't get a permit, I can't do it. So it's not my fault. It's the government's fault. I could blame it on them, but they didn't want to be the bad guys. Right. But they kept issuing them. So in 2017, there were 38,000 or 36,000. Now it's over 40, 40,000 permits. Right here's the paperwork on it. I'm not making this up. 40,000 permit wells. Yes. Wow. Out of 105 counties. That's insane. That's a lot of water. Yes. That's and a lot just, of water. And, and, and the circle will irrigate about 100 acres. Sure. You know, so you get 12, 14 inches. It used to be 25, but they did cut it back. But what was going wrong with when they tried to moratorium them is conservation. So we help put better flow nozzles on. We drag them on the ground. We in, bury them in the ground. There's farmers that are doing a tremendous job. Sure. But instead of using their 25-inch limit, they're using five or six. Well, yeah. now they're losing it. So what do they do? The Department of Water or GMD will go give that permit to another farmer. So you didn't gain a damn thing. Right. You just, now we got 40,000. So how are we going to do that? So the Mississippi River flows a tremendous amount of water. Right. And I, I think I got it here somewhere. It flows about 90,000 gallons a second. Okay. Take that time 60 to get a minute, and then take that time 60 to get an hour, you know, 900-gallon a minute irrigation sure. system. That's, um, it takes 6,000 irrigation wells to fully supply the Mississippi right. to River. utilize that amount. Yeah. yeah. That's out of 40,000. That's a drop in a bucket. Yeah. So if you divide that by, we can have how many Mississippis here? Just you know. to use that amount of money, uh, yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. That is a massive amount of water. And like you said, the gov- every time the government gets into something, it screws it up. That You're right. The, the user mm-hmm. to lose it, which isn't just on the agricultural side. We've we've gone after that for how much money the Department of Transportation can have to be able to get to, you know sand for the roads during the wintertime. Yeah. Unless you purchase the same amount of sand each year, depending on the season, then you're going to lose that uh, money to be able to purchase that amount of sand the next year. That's the, the That concept is the stupidest concept I have ever heard of in my life, and that's the way government likes to run. Yes, it is. It, it, it it's so frustrating. It's the same way with the chemical business. You know, you try the co-ops would get together and have applicators come in and we talk about it from different areas. So what are you doing here? What are you doing? Right. Different farmers. You know, they had a lot of soil meetings and stuff like that, you know. And, and um, you'd think we'd learn from that, but sometimes we don't. But the interesting thing real quick, too, is we're touching on water and, and things they're doing. Uh, this was a, a deal of an earthquake the other day. It wasn't too far from my house. And if you look and you can see different government pictures here in this aerial yeah. photograph, the county line between Kingwood and Reno. And if you look at on this page here, you can kind of see what I was telling. These are the permits in these counties. <laughs> Kingman County, how many is there? 426 yeah. permits. That's, how many that's permits are in Reno? How many permits in Reno County right across the line? Over 1,100. Yeah, that's yeah. a GMD, groundwater management. Right. And Kingman County's Department of Water. Well, that's why the creeks and streams are flowing fairly good in Kingman, because I got pictures of all these streams that, you know, Cheney Lake, we're talking about Cheney Lake. Sure. That's the south fork of the Nineskal. Look at it, it's running bumper to bumper. Yeah, it's actually got some decent water yeah. in there. It's yeah. like it, and it's like that. And if you, well, it's, it's because of rain. We had any rain. Right, yeah. It comes from subsoil it's just the utilization. Yes, it's a spring. Wow. But I, what's concerning me is Cheney Lake, grew up on the bottom of it, on Yoder Road and Boundary Road. That's where we grew up, yeah. and that's underwater now. But it's down six, seven feet. And I got pictures that I was brought for you. Yeah. But it's amazing. But that's the water of Wichita, or there's a 
people in Wichita have the right to water or the guy that's got an irrigation permit. Yeah. And I'm not against the farmers, but he doesn't own the water. He right. owns the permit to pump it. But you know how many irrigation wells it would take to fully fund the water for Wichita? It's on that chart list there, but um, only takes Where's... about 40. Only takes 40 wells out of 40,000 to fund the water supply for Wichita wow. on a daily basis. And we have that many, we have a massive amount. In fact, well, we have, I got them well, all Central around. County, we got 882 of yeah. them, so yeah. And Harvey, you know, north north. Yeah. North of us, you know, and there, there's a math. Do the wells. By the way, Finney County for the western side, uh, just almost to the 1900 different. Yeah, you guys are loaded over there. And again, why do we have some issues with the Ogallala Aquifer? <laughs> that would be why. That's why when you look at those numbers in a, in a county, the, you go to the county line, that picture right there shows it. So what we're going back to on the national part of it, we study and um, we're having trouble with tremors. Right. And we had several deals. Well, you look at all the irrigation wells, and there was a big deal on TV on something about water sub aquifers yeah. depleting it. Well, that creates voids. And people say, oh, no, no. Well, if you remember Cary Park or Caryville in Hutchinson, Kansas, salt mines. Yeah. Cary Salt, big name, right? Right. They abandoned Caryville. You, did you remember that, or do you remember uh, that? No, no. Huh? Yeah, there was a little place in Hutchinson that was a, a housing area called Caryville. Okay. They took the salt out, evaporated salt. It wasn't mined. They, they, you know, flood the salt cavern. Well, then those caverns started collapsing, and, they, and the ground was sinking. Sure. Well, if you look at that chart there that I gave you, you can see the highways and the counties. Right. Next to it, every quarter section for eight miles has an irrigation system on it. One across the road in Kingman County, they're in a circle, and that where's the, act, where's the point of that? Um, wow. You see that red dot where the epic yeah. center of the— Right. Is that are we causing another problem? But again, when you figure out how much we're taking out of forty thousand gallons, forty thousand wells, nine hundred gallon a minute. That's that's insane. Yeah, to the math, and it's and it, it makes my brain hurt, and it makes me scared because that's a lot of water out there, and uh, we're utilizing a lot of it, and uh, we have to find a way to conserve a well, lot. Well, if of we this. just save five percent, just cut back five percent, five percent, and and if you cut back five percent out of twenty. 40,000, sure. that'd be 2,000 wells. Right. But we don't go, we permit them then. Yeah. You save that 2,000, maybe that'll start filling up. Start consolidating a little bit. And then bit. once you learn how to save that, instead of using 20 inches of water to irrigate, you know, again, real quick math to make the dimension of this thing, 40,000 wells, 100 acres basically on a circle. Yeah. That'd be 4 million acres. Right. Put Divide that by four, real easy, right? Right. And stack that up, that'd be four times. And the average usage, you can look at that chart, 13 to 14 inches. So now we got a million acres of water we put on four feet deep. Yeah. Four feet. Would Cheney Lake have a problem? No. Not as much as what we're right now. It's not a million acres, I don't think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's insane. It's State Representative Joe Seiwert, District Number 101. We're out of time, my friend. I could talk to you about this forever with uh, so much more in the agricultural industry with what's going on. But I hopefully these will be somewhat priorities for us to be able to discuss in the legislative session. Maybe we can see some uh, real efforts, like effective efforts, actually be pushed through. Conservation. And, uh, it's not more yeah. administration. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. We gave five more years of money funding $35 million to okay. study it. Sure. We know what's the problem. We know what's we going on. We don't need to study it. We just need to save it. Isn't that always the government solution? Yeah. We're just going to spend money to study it. Deal out more cards, more, yeah. more voters, more hands up. You know, well, I got a job. I'm going to vote for that. You That's know? right. We don't have enough information yet. <laughs> need all the information. Got to study this a little bit more. Yes, yeah, so that's what's funny. 
Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is our number two of Kansas Talk right here, which does Big Talker KQAM. You know you love the station. You listen to it all the time. You tune in and don't even turn out anytime. And it shows. And we love you to death. Appreciate that very much. Welcome in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We do have a hint, hint, wink, wink. We still have a Thanksgiving turkey to give away later on because our challenger... In the first hour, did not win it, which means we still have one to give away. That I'm not, you know, my crystal ball here doing my little prediction. I'm guessing that that may happen within this next half hour. Just throwing that out there. So uh, be aware of that. But I want to shift gears right now. we got a big hour for you. Bottom of this hour, we have Erin Rays. She is with the Garden City Police Department. No, Garden City, we have not forgotten about you. We love you because we broadcast out there as well on 1240KIUL. So we'll sit down and talk about law enforcement out in western Kansas, how things are going out there. In just a little bit, but I don't want to waste any time as we sat down just a day ago with our RNC committeeman here in the state of Kansas talking about the state of the party, the Republican Party getting geared up for elections of 2024. What do they look like? And are Republicans focused on the right things to win in the election? Because got to be honest, the way that we've operated here in the last year or so have not given me a whole lot of warm, cozy feelings inside about how we're going to handle some issues. So that being said, I am, however, more optimistic after talking with our next guest as he is our current RNC committeeman here for the state of Kansas, Mr. Mark Cars, as we sat down with him here on Kansas Talk, and this is what he had to say. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I really appreciate being back on your program, and it has been too long, Andy, but you you have to invite me. I can't make my way on the air without your consent. I know it. I know it. we got to get you on more frequent because there's a lot of stuff happening within the Republican Party right now, and, and from what I'm hearing from a lot of listeners is that they've been concerned about... The infighting with the Republican Party, we had three weeks without a Speaker of the House. Uh, we have a interesting primary for the presidential races right now. But now that we're done with these elections this year, we have a new Speaker. It seems like the Republicans are grinding. We showed some major strong unity uh, with uh, the election of Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. It sounds like Republicans are ready and gearing up for this 2024 election. What do you think? Well, I think they are, and I hope they are. And I don't think there's anyone out there listening that doesn't know this. This 2024 election for the White House, it it, it is absolutely pivotal. If we don't regain control of the White House, if we lose the House, and this is what I believe, if we win the White House, and I think we will win the White House, we will take back the Senate and we will hold the House and we'll have four years of conservative governance. If we don't win the White House, we won't flip the Senate, likely. We will likely lose the House. And Biden, uh, if he's the nominee for the Democratic Party, will continue to bring this nation to a grind. They'll try to pass H.R. 1, which would federalize elections, which would basically keep Republicans ever taking control back of the White House. I could see them expanding the size of our U.S. Supreme Court, take over the Supreme Court. We would not be the nation that we that we were founded on in 1776. So this election is hypercritical, and I think most Republicans, conservatives, appreciate that. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think most Republicans are. Do you think outside of the Republican Party as well that many voters are starting to recognize what's going on? I mean, inflation's at in a record high right now. Food's up near 30% since Biden. Gas is up near 30%. We're seeing near 20% overall inflation over the past three years. I mean, they can try and say that Bidenomics is working, which I guess they've dropped that motto because it hasn't stuck with American people because people are recognizing that it's too damn expensive just to live right now. No, there's no question about it. I love to go to Taco Shop here in Wichita. I think they have great food. Their food is almost doubled. It used to be the least expensive place to get fast food. Everybody is spending more on food and gas, and uh, it's just expensive to live in America anymore. And it's all because of Biden's policies. There's no one else to blame. Uh, and the American people know that. Uh, we are a much more tribalized nation than we were before. And so there are just fewer uh, independents people that can be persuaded one way or another on a particular candidate. And so uh, it's going to be a close election in 24, regardless uh, of who the nominee is. There's no question in my mind that Donald Trump will be the party's nominee. And I also I'm probably one of the few out there that believe this, but I still believe Biden and Harris will be the ticket for the Democratic Party. But what's unique about this upcoming cycle, and this is interesting, Andy, we're going to have Five prominent tickets, prominent in the sense of only the top two Republican Democrat ticket could have a chance to win. But we have three prominent independent tickets. We're going to have RFK on the ticket on the on uh, on the ballot. We're going to have Cornell West, who's a prominent liberal, traditional liberal on the ballot. And uh, the, uh, the green tickets going to have Julie Stein. I think is her first name. Jill Stein is going to yeah. be on the ticket again. And she ran a 24, uh, 20 or rather in 16, and, and, and hurt Hillary tick, Hillary's chances of, of winning that election. And th- to me, this is 1860 all over again, where President uh, 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 Lincoln won the election with 39% of the vote. We're, wow. I don't think we're going to have a, a candidate that wins with that low percentage, but we're not, no one's going to win 50% of the vote in 2024. And so the Senate seats are positioned well for the Republican Party. We're really not defending any that are difficult and the and we're 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 51 49 today but with the announcement that senator manchin is not running uh for re-election and by the way he's another potential ticket on the uh no labels ticket uh we're at 50 50 in the senate we've got montana in play we have uh iowa ohio on in play and and new hampshire in, in play so the senate looks really good for us if we can capture the white house and we'll hold the we'll hold the house if we win the White House. That is really encouraging. I'm glad you mentioned Joe Manchin because he was the other one that I was thinking of with the no labels party. Uh, out of all of those, obviously Joe Manchin, a Democrat, moderate Democrat, but a Democrat nonetheless, going to pull away. Jill Stein, very progressive. The Green Party, very progressive. RFK Jr. though is a cause for concern to me because I got to admit, outside of some of his policies that are predominantly Democrat. He appeals to a lot of Republican and conservative voters with a stance on vaccine issues and limited government on certain policies. Do you think that's going to be a detriment to pulling away from Republican voters in the election? I really don't. I think Trump's base is solid and people are either for or against him. And those that are against him, even within the party, certainly in the Democratic Party and even independents, uh, we're, we're never going to vote for him. But now this gives someone else for them to vote who's not Biden. So I, I think RFK in the race is helpful. Clearly, uh, Jill Stein in the race is helpful. Even Cornell West can be helpful. 
and of course, Joe Manson, I think, is is huge. He's he's the type of independent candidate that could get double digit support. And I think all of that support comes away from Biden. People are either going to vote for Trump or anyone else. And that's just the way it's going to be. And so I love splitting that other vote among five or six uh, tickets. So, no, I'm I'm happy RFK's running. He's a traditional liberal back in the days, you know, that believed in free speech, believed in debate, um, um, unlike the Democratic Party of today, which is really a Marxist party and a party that loathes the foundations of our wonderful nation. Yeah, amen to that. I'm encouraged to hear you say how optimistic we are going into some of these Senate races and the House races where we could take back all both chambers and the presidency, maybe this time, unlike 2016, when he first took office, that we could actually work together as a Republican Party and get some stuff done rather than fighting against some of our own party members. You mentioned the state of Ohio, though, and I have to bring that up just because of the last election that we had seen, their legalization of marijuana, their push for abortion rights in the Constitution at the statewide level kind of went left. We've seen a very big push and a, a big outturn uh, in voters of their three metropolitan areas of Cleveland, Cincinnati, and uh, in Columbus. And do you think that's going to be a detriment? Is Ohio still a purple state, or do you think it's gone blue now? No, I don't think it's a blue state by any means. And I think it's, it's very winnable. We have a, we've got some really good candidates running for the U.S. Senate there. Uh, Jared Brown, that can come a Democrat, is not very popular within the state. Trump did very well in that state, both times in 16 and 20. I, 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 I have zero concern about Ohio, and I think we're going to take that Senate seat back. Here's the deal on these, on these referendum votes. As far as marijuana, um, there's nobody on, against marijuana. There are a lot of people against marijuana. I'm one of them. But there's no money behind opposing marijuana. And so you can't get the message out about why it's a bad idea to legalize marijuana. Yeah. And the forces behind legalization have so much money. And as far as the abortion vote that happened, we, we just have not found our voice on that issue yet. We no one no one thought we were going to overturn Roe v. Wade so quickly. It happened years earlier than anyone anticipated, and the party is struggling to find its voice on that issue. And we have to do that at some point. So hopefully we'll get that resolved and uh, figure that where, where we fall on that issue uh, as far as uh, limitations. I know where I stand on it, but the party as a whole has not found its voice on that, and we need to do that. I agree. I agree. I think that we did get caught off guard in many cases. Candace right here, we're the perfect example of uh, being the very first vote after that repealing and uh, didn't quite figure out how to set our platform and uh, promote this one the proper way. We talk with Mark Cars, National Committeeman here for the state of Kansas, also candidate for re-election for that seat as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let's shift gears and let's focus on the House for a moment with the new election of Speaker Mike Johnson, which I think has done a fantastic job so far. Uh, trying to work through the situation that he was given, especially with the budget, the continuing resolution, the appropriations process, and uh, being able to move forward there. Uh, The other aspect of being the speaker is being able to do fundraising for the GOP going into election season, which the critics have said that he doesn't have a lot of experience of, and that may take a hit because Kevin McCarthy was so great. Uh, But do you think he's going to do a good job here? And is he the right guy for the job, do you think? Well, I certainly think he's the right guy for the job. He was the only guy that was able to re- receive unanimous support within the Republican caucus. So there's no <laughs> question he's the right guy for the for the caucus and for speakership. Uh, as it relates to the issue of fundraising, the chief fundraiser for uh, Speaker McCarthy, and I don't, I can't recall his name, has already given his support mm. uh, and his services to our new uh, new Speaker Mike Johnson. So I'm not at all concerned about fundraising. McCarthy was a master at fundraising very gifted at it and did a very good job. 
but I do think the those that worked with him in that in that regard will be there to support Mike Johnson. And you know, Mike comes from a very red district, and he doesn't have to raise a lot of money, uh, but he's going to have to campaign now a lot uh, for members across the nation, and uh, it's going to be a tough job for him. But I think he'll do a great job. And what I what I hope will happen is that the caucus will give him enough runway. Uh, to get these budgets passed, these appropriation bills passed, and not turn on him like they um, like members did against McCarthy. We have to give Mike an opportunity to be successful, and I think in time he will be. Yeah, I, I think he's done a great job so far, and I am optimistic on that. With the election on the House side, you had mentioned the optimism for the Senate. For the House side, uh, what what do you know? I know it's early right now, but do you know what races the Republican Party as a whole wants to focus on nationwide to try and flip some obviously we always have our purple district here in kansas with sharice davids in district number three we have the big race with myra flores down in district 34 down in texas that uh, I'd, I'd assume that we'd like to focus on and try and flip that one back to her as well but are there any uh specific ones that you know of that we're going to really focus on nationwide to try and get back the house well i know we're going to be defending some really close ones uh, several in, in southern california and in northern New York, and I don't have the district numbers, those were all races that we were able to flip either in 16 or 18 or 20 or 22 and gave us our narrow majority. So those are seats that we have to focus on. We'll look at every House seat that Biden, that the Democrats won where Biden won by less than 10%. And, of course, those districts where Biden lost and a Democrat won, they're, they're going to be t- highly targeted. The third district will be targeted again, but it'd be a very difficult seat for us to flip. And um, it's just a fact. We're, we, it's a very difficult county. Johnson's been county's been been turning blue and, and, and hard blue. Yeah. And we've got some important state Senate seats that we need to defend there at the state level in uh, in next year's election. Yeah. Amen to that. Last question for you, Mark, and I appreciate your time very well. Republican National Committeeman here for the state of Kansas and candidate for re-election in that position as well. But let's bring it to the identity politics. Obviously, the big draw that Democrats love to focus on nationwide is the identity politics, skin color, religion, gender, sexual orientation, whatever these flavor of the day is to try and be that special, unique individual. We're seeing right now their stance on Israel and Palestine, seeing the Jewish community walk away from the Democrat Party. We're seeing the jobs causing major issues. The African-American community walking away from the Democrat Party. Women with their security and crime rates walking away from the Democrat Party. Are these opportunities, and do you think the Republican Party as a whole is doing a good job at reaching out to these communities that are predominantly usually vote Democrat but are starting to get frustrated with them? Well, at the national level, I certainly think we are. The RNC has had... And engagement in minority communities over the last six years that Rana or four years that Rana McDaniel has been chairwoman. We have minority community centers that we've opened up across the country, I think 15. And we've done it in, in, in areas where we're trying to flip uh, Democrat seats, and we've been successful at doing that. So we're making those inroads in the minority communities. Donald Trump probably has done more towards that effort. Yeah. Uh, especially with uh, black men, he's done very. He's pulled very well with black men. So he's he's made some inroads for the party, and we're just slowly making those inroads. I think the suburban women, because of the crime issue that you mentioned, are going to be back on board. I, I, and you know, you look into next year, it looks like we're uh, you know e- edging closer to world war. We've got a conflict now in Europe. We've got a conflict in the Middle East. We've got real grave concerns uh, in the South Seas with China's aggressive behavior. 
And I think people are going to want a real strong leader in the White House. And I think they're going to look to Donald Trump, even people that don't like his personality and maybe don't like some of his behavior. They know they want a strong leader who will defend America first. And I feel confident that uh, that uh, President Trump will win the nomination without question. There's no question he's got that huge lead, but that he'll be a strong nominee for the party. I really hope so. And it sounds like it. The more the more lawsuits that he gets into, the bigger his poll ratings continue to grow, which I find kind of ironic as well. The Democrats don't know what to do with that because they've never seen such a force to reckon with in elections. I love it. It is Mark Cars, National Committeeman here for the state of Kansas and candidate for that seat. We'll talk some more about that as that election gets a little bit closer. Mark, I always appreciate your insight, my friend. Keep up the fight with the RNC. Let's get this party back on track. Let's get the country back on track. We got to get you back on the show again real soon. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate your time very much. Always a pleasure. Right back here on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into it. It is Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks again to Mark Carr's coming on the show. Great conversation. Interesting insight into the Republican Party and what we may be holding to with the elections of 2024. We'll do some more of that as it gets closer a little bit as well. But I don't want to waste any time. We still have something to give away on the show. <laughs> so let's go ahead and do it. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on that Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. And let's give the opportunity for someone to win a Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, hat tip to Yoder Meats and all our great partners here on KQAM. That include Croft Lumber, Ray Roofing, Jacob Liquor, uh, Stanley Steamer, Davis Liquor Outlet, The Sugar Shack, Yoder Meats, and Money Town Pond. We'll get caller number one here to uh, possibly get that turkey. Now, if you were listening in the first hour, we did have a caller that chose... And we chose three of our locations, Ray Roofing, Jacob Licker, and Stanley Steamer. And the individual ended up guessing Stanley Steamer, which was not the case, which means you really got a 50-50 chance of actually winning this thing. So let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? It's Mark. Mark, how are you, my friend? Doing well. All right. Good to talk to you. All right. Let's see. So we have our three choices, Ray Roofing, Jacob Licker, and Stanley Steamer. One of them have already been chosen. And it was not true. So which one do you think, my friend, it's going to land on today? I think I'll try Ray Roofing. Ray Roofing. All right. Let's go ahead and do this. The helicopter flying high above the city of Kansas. You can see it up there. Something may be falling. What the heck is that thing? There it is. There it is, my friend. Wow. Winning yourself your Thanksgiving turkey hat tip to Yoder Meats. So congratulations on that, man. You gotta you either have a Thanksgiving turkey or an additional one for your family. How's that sound? That's wonderful. Thank you. Hey, fantastic. All right, hang on the line here real quick. We'll get your information in just a minute, so don't go anywhere. That's the one for today. We have one Thanksgiving turkey left that'll be given away on Wake Up Wichita on Monday. Now, programming note for you, Jeff Aiken out for a week as he's taking some vacation time, so I will be filling in. All week long next week on Wake Up Wichita early in the morning from 6 to 8 a.m. So stay tuned in. But Monday is our very last opportunity for you to win your Thanksgiving turkey. Hat tips to Yoder Meat. And again, all of our great partners that include Croft Lumber, Ray Roofing, Jacob Licker, Stanley Steamer, Davis Licker Outlet, The Sugar Shack, Money Town Pond, and Yoder Meats. Thanks again to all those great partners. And you can get one more chance to win coming up on Monday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. on Wake Up Wichita. 
We'll have some more fun there. So congratulations, Mark. Hang on the line. We'll get that information from you. When we come back, right around the corner after our bottom of the hour break, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk with Aaron Rays. We'll go out to the western portion of Kansas with the Garden City Police Department. What's the latest? Law enforcement here has been short. What's the shortage of law enforcement look like out in western Kansas? Fentanyl issues, crime rates as we see them rise across the nation. Are they having that same problem or not? So we'll talk with Aaron coming up just right around the corner on the home stretch. Last half hour of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. You're listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, 1480 on the AM dial. Always great to have you along for the ride. Also, our friends out in Garden City, Kansas on 1240 KIUL. It's always great to have you with us every Saturday morning as well. Really happy to have this next guest on the program. Is It's good to have a connection back in that western portion of the state in Garden City. As you know, got to spend a lot of time out there myself. And that's since we broadcast out there, we have to keep the tabs on what the heck's going on in western Kansas as well. So really happy to have on the program. She is the Public Safety Administrative Assistant for the Garden City Police Department. Excited to have on here Erin Rays. Erin, how are you today? I'm doing good, Andy. Thank you for having me. Um good to talk to you. Yeah, it's so good to have you on here. I appreciate it. There's a lot to talk about because law enforcement seems to be uh, front center for a lot of conversations with crime rates that we see across the nation, shortage in right. police officers, a lot of things that are going on right now that uh, I think are a, a cause for concern for a lot of people. Uh, so we have to ask, I mean, Garden City, obviously, I love Garden City, got to spend some time out there, but it's been about 10 <laughs> years since I've been out in that area. How are things out there right now? Well, we're rocking and rolling in Garden City. It's been a while since you've been out here, but in the last few years, we have really grown, um, both on the business landscape and, and just other um, cultures coming in. We're very diverse, um, and we've just got a lot going on, a lot of great things happening. The police force has grown a little bit, um, and we anticipate um, more growth coming over the next couple of years. Our brothers and sisters uh, just next door, the Garden City Fire Department, have to mention this because they have um, a third fire station that will be coming um, here in the next few years. We anticipate that being, um, you know, built and done. Our regional airport is uh, has a new terminal, and there's just a lot of great things going on um, within the city of Garden City, but just Garden City itself. Uh, police force, like I said, we've grown. We're doing great things. It's our 100th year, our centennial wow. year. I love it. And it's just, it's very humbling to be part of that history and just to see everything, the technology, to even some of the conversations and how things are done in law enforcement has just evolved yeah. in the 100 years since um, we've, we've been a department. It's, it's just really humbling to be part of that history. It is really neat to see that. I believe you guys have a kind of a, a, a semi-museum out there, don't you? Because I, I believe I got to walk through that at some point and see all the history of what you guys have gone through uh, throughout these years. And it's really impressive to see. And the fact that you guys hold on to that and you hold on to that lineage and you hold on to that history and heritage out there is absolutely phenomenal. I love it. So I don't know if you recall, you may have walked through the museum um, back in the day. I had to say back in the day when you were here, but... Uh, the histor- the Finney County Historical yes. Society, the museum over by the, just to the entrance of Lee Richardson Zoo. That's right. Um, recently, they had a exhibit in honor of our centennial year, 
they just took it down right before Thanksgiving as they have another um, holiday exhibit that they're putting out. But um, the last couple months they've had our um, exhibit that kind of shows milestones and some of, you know, the history um, of our department. So that was really neat. Um, the Historical Society, specifically Executive Director Steve Quakenbush, has, has done such a phenomenal job of highlighting our department and keeping some of those artifacts that I know we've looked over, you know, for years, like, hey, we can't find this, and then it turns out the, the museum had it or something, or they were able to get something of that. And also at the museum, they have uh, one of the more infamous cases in our history, the infamous clutter murders that happened in Holcomb, like in 1959. They've got a, a kind of a section of the museum dedicated just to that. And then the, the Flegel gang, too, that was another... Uh, kind of our first uh, big crime case with the Flegel King and all their mischievous adventures and whatnot. So, um, yeah, the, the museum has done just a great job, and we appreciate them um, celebrating and recognizing our history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron, let's talk about some of the, the law enforcement stuff here for a second. Is Obviously, we've seen a lot of conversation about shortage in law enforcement. I know Wichita here, we're dealing with that both at the uh, city police office and the county sheriff's offices with a shortage in officers. You said that you've seen the growing of your office there, but are you still short-staffed, and are you still looking for people, or are you guys pretty fun? Uh, pretty staffed compared to the size of the population. So right now we do have some openings. We've been very fortunate not to feel that that pressure, that crunch that some of the larger agencies, not just here in the state, but nationwide um, has felt. But I mean, we do see some of the effects behind the scenes or if we've got um, other community events going on or just incidents. But like I said, we've been very fortunate. However, we, we do have openings in our patrol and also 911 dispatch. Um, on the patrol side, we're authorized to have 65 officers. We have six openings right now. Um, we've also had uh, several officers who are in the middle of their field training program, um, and they're doing very well. They are working to be out on their own. So it feels a little bit more than six openings at time just because we've got a couple of officers finishing out their training program before they're out they're able to be out on their own. Um, but like I said, we've we've made it work. Um, we we kind of keep tabs on what's going on um, with other agencies across the state and the nation as a whole. Um, and we make adjustments when needed. Yeah. Um, we, I know we we try not to let kind of what's going on around us affect us too much because we don't want that to get into the, the daily aspects, the daily responsibilities that we carry out for our community, for the safety of, you know, our citizens and whatnot. Yeah. So we just, you know, we just have to, you know, go in day in and day out and do the best we can. But like I said, on the, the patrol side, we've got a couple openings. Um, our dispatch center, we're, um, since we don't have as many right now, I think we have six or seven openings. We don't have, like, dispatchers compared to like officers as far as numbers and that's just how it is we have dispatchers behind the scenes obviously but um, we have a little bit more openings there so a little bit more um, near critical level or critical level of staffing um, so we're working on that too and with those patrol and our dispatch um, side we do have people in the process of being hired sure um, so is- you know that's good so it's kind of a it's a constant thing we're trying to you know think of different ways, you know, recruiting like all departments. You kind of probably see, Andy, that you've got some of your big agencies out there offering very lucrative hire, uh, sign-on bonuses yeah. because, you know, they're looking for people. 
And it's not, it's still like anymore, it's not just law enforcement. It's everywhere you go, everywhere, you know, you're able, you know, there's jobs available out there. It just takes, you know, someone with, you know, a different calling to be in law enforcement. It really does. Yeah, it takes a special individual, and God bless them for for all of you that stand up and actually do that because it is a challenge, especially with, like you mentioned, some of the current events and and some of the national conversation about law enforcement. It's hard to entice people to want to jump in there. Then you mentioned Mm -hmm. the pay and the benefits on top of that where sometimes the private sector is able to pay more. It's difficult to try to encourage people and entice them to come into law enforcement. It is. I mean, out here, you know, we are kind of a smaller community, um, very tight-knit large enough where there is there are things going on there are things to do (laughs) some people say like well out here in western kansas there's nothing you know to do or anything like that and it is hard out here in western kansas to try to recruit people you know because it's not as populous as like wichita or topeka lawrence those areas Um, but we have a really great supportive community who's been very uh, pro law enforcement pro first responders i should say Right. Um, and, and there's other benefits, too. Uh, we've had people that kind of come out here outside of Garden City. They they just wanted, you know, Garden City to be kind of their stepping stone of their career, and they've stayed out here. Yeah. Um, it, it's just so it's a testament of several different things that we try to drive home. The training, the community, uh, the, the kind of the – we try to – we call ourselves like a family out here um, with our department, and we try to be. Um, and so there's different – and being in HR, I have a little bit of HR in my background. There's so much more – um, than just the pay and benefits with each job. So, uh, but there's, it doesn't help too, Andy, and you probably have talked about this on your show, just the, when you see things going on across the nation that give law enforcement such a, a bad uh, review or perspective, sometimes it, you know, it, it kind of deters people from wanting to, you know, who may, who may have had an interest in law enforcement and pursuing law enforcement. Now it's kind of deterring them away. Um, so we're just trying to see what we can do too. Um, to carry out our core values, but also try to get people to see that, you know, what you see in one place, that does not represent law enforcement as a whole. Exactly. Amen to that. We're talking with Aaron Rays, the Public Safety Administrative Assistant for the Garden City Police Department. Uh, talk about real quickly, the. And I'm glad you guys have such an in-tune connection with the community because it's so important. I know that Kansas is, in general, the state of Kansas is a major hub for drug trafficking because of that straight shot from the southern border we have fentanyl issues we have human trafficking issues i mean in wichita here we saw one of the largest fentanyl busts in the entire country because of this stuff coming up here how was that situation in garden city i know finney county sheriff's office has a major drug task force that they always work with but uh, how has that situation been or do you guys been on top of that do you think uh, you know, we've been on top of it, but we need the public's help. We always do as far as, hey, if you know of any suspicious activity, we encourage the community to come forward. And I think that's really helped us in the last couple of years, um, just going out, doing presentations, raising awareness, because as much as people want to deny it or if they try to deny it, fentanyl especially, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, we have seen, you know, the last couple of years, we've seen the overdoses increase. Um, where first responders not only have uh, directly dealt with that, but some that we hear numbers of our, our drug task force, um, no, how numbers going in being reported directly to you know hospitals, things like that. So it's everywhere. Um, we just uh, we're working hard to get you know those drugs off the streets, but also raising awareness. Um, we've kind of seen a little bit of everything. We've seen fentanyl. Um, it, what we do see as far as drug trends we notice is that a lot of times these trends will kind of start you know out east 
and then they slowly make their way over. Mm. So there's, you know, we have officers, you know, a drug task force that they kind of look at these trends and then kind of estimate, hey, if and when they'll make their way to this area. And so we just try to do what we can to, again, bring awareness, um, make, you know, do presentations with age groups, you know, eight of all ages, because it's, it feels like any more younger populations, you know, are, you know, are dealing with this too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Last question for you. And that's, that's regards to that is the fact that you guys are so close to the Colorado border, but also mm-hmm. with the straight shot from the Southern border, what is the big flavor of drug in that area? Is it fentanyl? Is it marijuana coming over from Colorado? What do you guys have to deal with the most? Do you think? So as far as when it comes to, and we do have a monthly, uh, we call it master activity report. One of the things that we reflect kind of on our evidence section is property and evidence seized per month. Um, I think the biggest drug that we do, um, we see is meth, uh, methamphetamine, uh, marijuana, fentanyl is up there too. Yeah. Um, but really, I think the, the biggest drug we see is kind of between meth and marijuana, and sometimes a mix of both. Uh, but we have seen fentanyl. Um, we've seen fentanyl in both powder and pill form. I know there's different colors out there, rainbows and different things. Typically, what we've seen out here are the the blues, like the most common ones. So, I mean, it's out there in pill and powder form, um, and it's just dangerous, especially the fentanyl. There's different kinds. I wouldn't say different kinds, but in different forms and whatnot. And it's just so scary how one time, basically like a fingernail um, size, can do a lot of damage or kill you. that's so, a scary yeah, thought. So out here in Garden City or this area, that's kind of what we see most of. That's wild. That's a scary thought. Now, with the meth, is that being imported or is that being grown locally in the area, do you think? Um, I think it's mostly being imported. It could be, you know, it could be a little bit of everything. But it's kind of one of those, to my knowledge, I think it's being imported or, or just kind of from the area. Yeah, yeah a scary thought and hopefully that uh i mean it's an ongoing battle it's never going to go away but we need to keep uh, strong tabs on it and i know you guys are doing a great job it is the garden city police department aaron ray's public safety administrative assistant i appreciate your time very much some fascinating information we got to get you back on and get another update from you here soon yes absolutely look forward to talking to you and happy thanksgiving andy thank ha- you so much happy thanksgiving to you right back here on candace talk wichita's big talker kqam Welcome back into Candace Talk right here in Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks again to Aaron Ray's Garden City Police Department. Fascinating conversation. We'll talk some more with them as the show progresses as well. Trying to get some more updates out of Western Kansas. It is interesting that they're battling a lot of the same issues we are here in the state uh, or in the city of Wichita. The same issues all around the state of Kansas and beyond for sure. we got a few minutes left of the show. 316-721-8255 if someone wants to jump on. We'd love to hear from you. It is, I can't believe it, man. Thanksgiving's right around the corner just next week. We are a few days away. Hopefully you have everything ready for it. I uh, I always make the joke, but uh, maybe one of these days going to have to try it. I asked the wife exactly how many minutes per pound that we throw that turkey into that microwave. <laughs> no, actually, she takes care of the turkey. 
and she does it amazing. Uh, what I'd love to hear, if you do have a couple of minutes, at 316-721-8255, or if you send me a message on the KQAM Facebook page, I would love to hear your favorite Thanksgiving recipes that you use during the holidays. Because we everybody has their own flavor, kind of their own unique way of cooking the turkey or making so, uh, certain side dishes as well. I, uh, I, I do one thing. I cook one thing during the Thanksgiving Day thing. Mrs. Voice of Reason does all the rest of it. She cooks the turkey. And it's not deep fried or anything. She, what she does is she actually soaks it in red wine for like three days with a whole bunch of herbs and stuff that she puts in there. I don't know what she does with it. And then we bake it. And it is delicious because it's a sweet red. So it's a, it just kind of sinks in there and just makes it really flavorful. I love it. I don't even know what she does with it. But she does that. She does the typical you know stuffing and the mashed potatoes. And we usually like to have like artichoke bread or we like to make some uh, parmesan over top of asparagus and we bake some of that that's usually pretty good but what are the things that are like the tradition for you during the holiday i uh, see i'm already getting I'm, I'm getting hungry just thinking about some of this stuff uh for me it was always a tradition to have cranberry sauce or uh, what was it cranberry um like the cranberry sauce or cranberry um i don't even know what it is like a, a cranberry not a soup or it's uh, just a cranberry sauce. You eat the cranberry stuff. It's really good. And I can only have it one time a year because it's really sweet. <laughs> I don't usually eat a whole lot of sweet stuff. But I do that one time a year. I have the cranberry stuff, and it's really delicious. And uh, that's, But what I make every year, my contribution to the Thanksgiving dinner is I make deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. Mrs. Voice of Reason doesn't care much for deviled eggs, although she eats the ones that I make. And because I don't put as much mayo in them, which I enjoy Miracle Whip, or I, I put Miracle Whip, other people put mayo, whatever. But I enjoy that, and then I'll sprinkle it with the with the dill and with some cayenne pepper and with some regular pepper, and it's fantastic. I love it. But I did find a recipe this week that I might have to try this year, and it's Cajun. It's a Cajun shrimp deviled eggs. And it's the spicy Cajun flavoring on the shrimp that you put on top of the deviled egg. I've never had that before, and I think I have to try it. In fact, I found an entire recipe of massive different ways to try different deviled eggs. And it sounds really good, so I'm going to have to try some of that. But that is my contribution. Obviously, I'll cut the turkey. We'll do our traditional you know, family gathering and our, you know, all the, enjoy everything. But that is my one contribution that I do. Mrs. Voice of Reason, man, that's just, this is like her Super Bowl. She loves this stuff, and she rocks it out and makes everything every year. Between that, the, the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the asparagus, the sweet potatoes. I'm usually not a sweet potato guy either, but those sweet yams that she makes – and then with like some marshmallow stuff on top of it, it I, I don't know what she does again to it. She calls it candy apples. I've never heard it called that until I actually married her. But again, it's so sweet. I can only have it one time a year because I'm not much of a sweets person. So what we'll do is next week. Uh, next week, we will have a best of on the program. We will not be live here because of Thanksgiving weekend. The following week, we'll do a food review on how your Thanksgiving dinners were. And we'll have some fun with that. As a reminder, we have one more turkey drop left that we'll do on Monday during Wake Up Wichita. I'll be filling in for Wake Up Wichita on Monday and throughout next week. So stay tuned in for that during the morning, every morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We have our Voice of Reason show from 4 to 5 as well. And don't miss our syndicated Voice of Reason weekend program that's coming up on KQAM and KIUL on Sunday, tomorrow from 5 to 7 p.m. As I'm really excited to have on, uh, we will have Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and her new book, MTG which you can find on our website, mtgbook.com. So don't miss that. If you can't listen to it live on the radio, you can listen to it on the podcast thereafter, and we will play some snippets of it throughout the week next week as well. 
going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to that interview. Until then, everybody have a wonderful, happy Thanksgiving to you. If I don't talk to you beforehand, enjoy the weekend. It is the last day of some relatively warm temperatures across south-central Kansas before things start to get rainy and cool. And I don't know, fall-like as we get into the end of November. What a wild concept. Until then, everybody, happy Thanksgiving to you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This is the voice, not the voice reason. This is Kansas Talk right here in Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. We'll see you on the radio.